What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. And, and just in case you've been living under a rock or you're willfully ignorant, uh, it's Black History Month. You know, here's the thing. Uh, Black History Month, um, the history of it, pretty interesting. Like everything in this country, uh, black folks had to fight for and accept some type of consolation. Uh, but it actually started off as a week. And then it grew into a month. Now, the fact that we have the shortest month in the year and one of the coldest months of the year, I mean, kind of goes back to what I'm saying. You know what I mean? But all the same. Uh, happy Black History Month for everyone listening. You know, Black History Month is, for me, not about dwelling on just the past, but allowing um, the past to help inform what our future should be. And, you know, when you think about Black History Month, especially in the context of like corporate celebration and events and things, if all you're doing as a corporation is looking at people like Dr. King or um, Malcolm X or uh, Marsha P. Johnson or, you know, these figures, right? If you're just looking at these figures as if like they're these historic fixtures in time and not yourself accounting for what you can be doing to create a better world and future for black people, particularly black Americans, you're missing the mark as a corporation. I'm talking to you corporations because there was some law some years ago that just determined that corporations can also be people. So I'm going to talk to y'all like y'all are people. So as a corporation, you touch everybody. There's some part of your work that you do that impacts black people, either by exploiting them directly or indirectly. Uh, you're selling to them or, again, making money by not selling to them in some way. I really hope that you consider yourself responsible and accountable for your behavior and how it impacts black people every day. You know, that kind of gets to this episode today. You know, we've continued to spotlight Pfizer as part of this extended campaign. And what I enjoy about um, these conversations that we have uh, with uh, the leadership at Pfizer is that they do the work to connect the dots. Right. So we're talking in this conversation um, not just about like Black History Month in the theoretical, but really what does it really look like to honor and celebrate black talent in the workplace? What does it look like to pour into and celebrate and partner with black communities? And when you think about folks like Dr. King, who folks his historically have whitewashed, um, who was completely hated during his time on this earth, um, he was big on accountability, communal engagement, community empowerment, and what I enjoyed about this conversation um, is that we talk about employee experience. We talk about equitable treatment and we talk about um, healthy talent life cycle management within this larger context of honoring black people. Now, that's not the entire conversation. We actually 
cover a wide array of things. We talk about sponsorship and that last ship. But again, the point is, is that we're connecting these dots. Um, I really appreciated the time that I had um, with Sherry Cassano, who is the uh, senior vice president of people experience at Pfizer. Um, she, also, she actually holds a couple roles. And so we, again, we talked, I'm not going to spoil the whole conversation. Y'all about to hear the interview. But what I really want y'all to appreciate in this moment is that this season of black history is not just that it is not seasonal. It is year round and honoring black history means honoring black people. It means honoring not the black people (laughs) that were uh, not just the black people who were deemed terrorists and murdered by the state or federal agencies or in collusion with federal agencies, but rather also honoring the black people who are alive today. It means leveraging your resources and time and policies to shape a better world for black people. It means being accountable to your actions and the world that they shape for black people. And so again, I sit here appreciative of the, the conversation that I was able to have with Sherry Cassano, continue to be impressed by the work that Pfizer is doing in and outside of its walls. And I hope that you enjoy the discussion. All right. Talk to you soon. Sherry, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you for being here. Um, look, I want to get right to it because time is of the essence. You know, we live in crazy times as it is. You've been with Pfizer for over 18 years. Like, talk to me about your journey. What drew you here and what's keeping you here? Well, I wish I had a better answer for what drew me to Pfizer, but essentially I was engaged and I was relocating to another state. Um, So I was looking for another opportunity. And when the Pfizer opportunity was presented to me, what did intrigue me was the strong reputation of the company. Uh, And then when I went on the interview, the people I met, I just, I was hooked immediately because they were just such wonderful human beings. And I thought I would love to work with them. So that's how I ended up at Pfizer. Uh, And then over the last 18 years, I still can't believe it's been 18 years, to be honest, but I've been fortunate to really work in every part uh, of the organization uh, from an HR perspective. Um, I've had so many different leadership opportunities, uh, supporting research and development, our commercial business, medical, uh, manufacturing, and my current role, and many of our enabling functions. And because of those moves, what it has allowed me to do is really work on a lot of projects and assignments, uh, anything from acquisitions, divestitures, standing up business units, all sorts of organizational changes and cultural changes, as you can imagine. And that really has been that work has kept me here. Uh, and, and not only the challenging work, but the culture, those same people, the types of people that drew me to the organization have also kept me here. And then I would be remiss if I didn't say or talk about the connection that I have to our purpose at Pfizer, which is breakthroughs that change patients' lives. Let's talk about your role today. You serve as a you serve a dual role as the chief talent officer for Pfizer and the people experience lead for the manufacturing division. What does that mean day to day? Yes. Well, the short answer, what that means is I have two jobs. So that's what that means. But, um, <laughs> All right. So I will break them down as, as quickly as I can. So as the people experience lead for manufacturing, 
essentially what that entails is I'm responsible for developing and implementing any strategies related to people uh, for that business. And that business is roughly about a third of the, of the employees that we have at Pfizer. The second part of my job is the chief talent officer for Pfizer. And that role is focused on attracting, growing, inspiring, and retaining the talent at the company. And there's a lot of different uh, functions that report up through me. So we have our candidate experience function, which includes recruiting and onboarding, any of our early talent programs. I also have responsibility for all of the talent pipeline of the organization, which includes colleague growth and talent management and development. And then I have our colleague insights group, which is responsible for all of the people analytics and colleague listening strategies that we have at Pfizer. Uh, and also I have performance management and culture. So to sum it all up, I'm extremely busy, um, but extremely energized by, by everything that I get to uh, be involved in. Sure, I'm about to say, I don't know how you made time for this interview. <laughs> about. That's, that sounds like a ton of work. Uh, and, and so let me ask a follow up on that. You talk about, you know, recruitment and talent. Um, talent management, really that entire pipeline. Um, I'm curious, in, in moments like these where you're seeing uh, recessionary fears and, you know, how does that shape um, your strategy on still engaging and getting the best talent, especially when we talk about like these Gen Zers? Like, has any of that come up as, um, as, 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 we, as the landscape continues to shift and change? Absolutely. So first of all, We've all heard these notions of war for talent, you know, the great resignation. Those things have been really uh, real uh, in the organization. Trying to get talent has become increasingly more competitive. Fortunately, uh, our reputation and our brand is very strong, and that does make Pfizer an employer uh, where people do want uh, to work. So that we have in our favor. Um, but trying to really constantly think about all of the different things that the various generations look for is uh, sometimes very interesting, right? I think multi-generational workplaces can thrive. We're an example of that. But the key is to understanding what each generation uh, looks for. It's not a one size fits all. So you, you mentioned our Generation Z. Uh, they are really uh, interesting in terms of the things that draw them to the company. They grew up in a world of digital technology, social networking, literally access to information at a push of a button. And so because of that, we have to think differently about what we do to attract them. So we're always trying to um, make sure that we can talk about our purpose because that's something that's very important for them. They demand this company transparency uh, and ethical leaders, and they really expect support with their career progression. And so those are all things that when we are uh, really trying to uh, compete for talent, we talk a lot about what we can do for growth, how socially conscious we are, uh, our values and our purpose, those are all things that become attractive to that generation. You know, it's interesting because, and I'll, I'll say this just as like more of an, uh, like an aside, you talk about your role um, and you talk about the fact that you, you, you sit in these two positions. Again, you've been with Pfizer. Um, you've been with Pfizer for, again, over 18 years. Yes. Of, oftentimes when we look at what I have seen, right, I'm, I'm one person. A lot of times we see black black and brown folks, particularly black folks, they they'll be at these organizations for like, you know, a decade plus. And there seems to be like this ceiling where they get to like senior manager or whatever the equivalent is to director. Right. So like that mid-level manager, they might even make it all the way to gasp senior director. <laughs> but 
they don't always this rare to see them break through. You know, we have this we have all this conversation about the lack of black CEOs and the lack of black like chief officers. Um it's rare to just for me to see just like black VPs. Yeah. I'm curious, like what happened like what what would you attribute in your journey to getting to this level where you're sitting at such a senior position at a global organization? It's a great question. First of all, I, I think I have to acknowledge that I have had incredible man- managers, mentors, and sponsors along the way. And I do give a lot of credit to those individuals for helping me navigate my journey because I, I fundamentally believe there are many talented individuals who look like me in companies around this uh, country who may lack that sponsorship or may have not had strong managers and could absolutely get stuck. So for me, with the help of those individuals that I've been fortunate enough to have, my board of directors, I call them sometimes, I've been able to take on challenging projects and assignments. Sometimes I've learned to take on assignments that maybe others did not want, some of the more problematic issues, but to raise my hand and to not be afraid to push myself outside of my comfort zone. And allowing um, myself to do that gave me exposure to many different parts of the company, gave me different perspectives. And then if you do that enough times, what happens is, at least in my case, it gave me a reputation of being someone who can deliver, uh, someone that knows how to drive change, someone who's comfortable working in the gray. And so that has helped me. But again, that didn't start that way. Having people to support you and say, yes, you can do it. We see something in you that maybe you don't see in yourself was tremendously helpful. And so I do recognize not everyone has that. It's a privilege, right? Um, and, I, and I'm going to say this. You know what's dope about you, Sherry, is that you you didn't say, because I worked hard. Because the reality work is- hard. There are a lot of people who work hard. Right, right. So look, you know, um, as you know, Living Corporate exists to center and amplify Black and brown folks uh, at work. I'm curious, right? Like you're, you're responsible for so much. Um, and, and you're responsible for- um, the, you know, the equitable experience um, and, and really like the developmental experience for all employees. I'm curious, what role does your own identity and life experience play in the way you choose to show up for employees at Pfizer? So I remember when I first joined Pfizer, there were four Black women in leadership roles in HR, so in my own division. And I remember how much of an impression that made on me. And so fast forward 18 years, now I'm one of the Black women in leadership at Pfizer, and I recognize that that comes with responsibility, or at least I perceive it to come with responsibility. And colleagues can look at me and see someone who looks like them or another family member, their sister, or dare I say their mother, I guess I'm getting old enough to say their mother at this point. Uh, And what they can do is look at me and say, Yes, it is possible at Pfizer. And Black women and Black men have come up to me throughout these years and have shared with me how important and encouraging it has been to see me in this position or whether it be other positions that I've held. Uh, And so, as I said earlier, I know others have helped me along the way. And so I feel personally obligated to do the same for others. So what does that look like? I mentor many colleagues throughout the company, both formally and informally. I try to be available so that I can be a sounding board for people and offer advice. 
And I am deeply committed to ensuring that we have an organization that focuses on developing our colleagues, an organization that helps to drive equity. And the really cool thing about it is I get paid to do that. So it's not only a passion of mine, that is actually fundamental to my job. Uh, And I'm just grateful that I am in a position to actually influence, shape, and to lead the work that we do to develop all of our colleagues, not just our, our Black colleagues, but all of our colleagues, but particularly understanding the weight um, of the fact of the role that I'm in and the fact that people can look at me as an example of something that they can aspire to become. I love that. You know, there, you said something, that, well, a few things, right? So first off, it's the fact that you count yourself accountable or responsible to lifting as you climb. And you know, I can speak on the other side. And um, so I'm 33. Okay. And so for context, so I'm at an age now where it's interesting, Sherry, like I'm old enough where I can still look at older professionals and be like, oh, you're like my parents age, but also, but also I'm, I'm, but I'm also old enough where there's people behind me coming behind me that look at me like, well, you at least like my uncle. Right. Right. And so, and so, and so I'm in this, you know, this unique space, but I'm going to say like, you know, we had a conversation um, earlier, part of this this series with Pfizer with uh, Yolande uh, Morris, and and we talked about like on our side, right, where you like see somebody that looks like you, or that maybe you know someone that you could see yourself being in X amount of years, or maybe even who reminds you of a, an aunt or your mom or something like that, and then to engage them only for them to kind of stiff arm you a little bit, yeah. kind of be like, well, no, you know, that there's something like genuinely. Um, painful about that. And so it's encouraging to hear your sentiment and your 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 share your sense of responsibility in, in, in shaping others. I think the, the other thing I'll say is that um I hope that for all leaders who are listening to this, but particularly black and brown ones, you know, we're, we're recording this during Black History Month, that like there we have a shared responsibility to support one another. That doesn't mean that we're supporting other certain certain people at the expense of other people. Correct. But that but that we don't have the, but we do not though, as historically marginalized people have the benefit to be um, selfish or hyper self-centered. I think that, um, you know, we think about, we're going to talk about, I want to talk a little bit about Black History Month in a minute. Um, you should get your perspective on that. Um, but, you know, a lot of those themes like from King um, to, of you know, to really some of the our more critical figures. Um, you know, Bayard Rustin, I mean, these individuals, there was a, a, a centralized theme of community across the board, right? Like we wouldn't really have progress right. if if everyone was um, just so focused on getting theirs. And I think, I, I, I hope that um, other executives who are black and brown, of course, all executives, for sure, because I'm not leaving y'all white executives. Like, y'all listen to, listen to Sherry, now, y'all can learn as well, but also <laughs> black and brown. <laughs> Black and brown executives just listen that we have a shared responsibility for each other. Now, with all that being said, um, you know, a bit over a month ago, you know, you had Porter Braswell come and speak to some of your Pfizer colleagues about the reality of systemic racism and the history of inequity in this country. I'm curious, right? Like, because these organizations, Sherry, like, we'll come together and we'll talk about these things like in the in the theoretical, right? In the hypothetical and like almost like um, these estranged concepts. But the reality is some of these corporate, a lot of these corporations, billion dollar corporations who have all sorts of relationships with 
um, with packs or, or just other, just, they have all, they make all types of things move. Like these organizations really can help shape and drive the world. And so it frustrates me sometimes when like we talk about these things in the abstract, when these institutions have power to actually really make change. Right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm curious as you think about Pfizer, what is Pfizer doing to combat systemic inequity? Uh, what are the things that they're doing that you're most proud of? So why I'm proud of the work that Pfizer is doing is because they are, we are approaching it from a systemic perspective. So there are so many different layers to this. Um, the one I'll talk about a couple of things we're doing, but the thing I'm most proud of is that I think with all of our efforts, we're focusing on accountability and transparency. We're setting clear goals and we're driving our progress and, and, and communicating the progress that we're making. So We've been very visible with our 2025 Opportunity Parity Goals, uh, which are for women, but also for underrepresented populations. So, for example, by 2025, we're aiming to achieve parity at our vice president above level. So, again, the most senior levels in the organization for U.S. minorities by increasing the representation. When we started this, we were at 19 percent and we're looking to be at 32 percent representation by 2025 and doubling underrepresented populations of African-American or Black and Hispanic Latino colleagues. So that's something we've been on a journey to accomplish. We've been transparent about that goal. And we also have an opportunity uh, parity goal also to increase women uh, in the workforce at the senior levels as well. So I love the accountability and transparency because once you communicate it and you communicate it externally, you have a different level of accountability uh, to make sure that you are trying to do all you can do to 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 ach- accomplish those goals. So that's one thing. And representation, though, is only one layer. And so we've done everything. Uh, we've looked at how we address health inequities. So we are a healthcare company, and we've done many things to try to address health in- inequities uh, in in the in the world, quite frankly. And we've also looked at things like supplier diversity. So it's not just you know some companies they'll focus on the employees. And that's it. And that's great. I mean, we, we need all of that. But Pfizer is trying to really tackle it from a systemic approach. And that's something I'm very proud of. You know, to, to your point around the data, because you said you, you brought that up earlier when you talk about your role. And I was like, man, because I because I'm a little bit of a data nerd, just a little bit, not a, not not full fledged. But you brought it up again. You know, what's interesting, what I like about what you just shared, because a lot of organizations, Sherry, as I, I know, you know, is. They'll go, we're going to be transparent about our data. And then they'll like, they'll like create categories of their people data that really hide what's happening with their people. Right. right? So they won't say black and Latino or South Asian versus East Asian, or like they'll, they'll, they'll kind of bucket things up. Like I've seen, I've seen it say like, Hey, we've had an an increased representation of minorities. And it's like, okay, what is that? What does that actually mean? Right. Like, you know, like, and especially again, like, and this is not good or bad, but that term, some of these terms can be such moving targets and they can mean any, any manner of things. I've seen organizations that say, okay, well, veterans are minorities. Okay. But, okay. But there's a difference in experience from a black veteran to a white veteran, to a, a, a veteran who is a woman, a veteran who is trans or like, you know, it's, so it's about being more just like accountable, even in the language, right? So, Correct. so, so much, so much of this becomes like this, like, 
I don't know, like the smoke and mirrors thing, right? And it's interesting. I think, tell me, have you experienced where <laughs> my position is employees are savvy, right? They can tell when something is real and when something is like some PR stuff. No, they do. And they, you know, that's why I started with the thing I'm most proud of is the accountability and transparency. They expect it. As, you know, we are no longer... Uh, as an organization, no longer do employers have the luxury to kind of do things just on the surface level because people can see quickly through that. And so not only do you need to be direct about what you're planning to do, but people want to see the accountability and they will hold you accountable. And people can hold you accountable with their feet because if they don't believe that you are living the values that you say or you're not holding true to what you're trying to accomplish, they will leave. It's just a fact. Uh, And so that's why the accountability and the transparency is important. And not only do we communicate that internally, we communicated it externally because that, again, brings a different level of accountability. So I completely agree. And I think the days of just putting lip service to these topics, um, you know, if any company wants to be really have uh, have a reputation to driving equity, you won't be able to do that. You know, what's also interesting when you talk about employee experience, right? And to your point around leaving with their feet is, or they make their, they make their voice known through, through how they move around is it's like a combination of technology and maybe like this, like late stage capitalist system we're in where like everyone has like more and more we're seeing all, all levels of generational uh, representation, but certainly within like millennials and Gen Zers more and more people have their own brand, right? So like, you know, 30 or 40, like 30 years ago, 20 years ago, like someone quits their job and like, maybe they write a spicy email, Sherry, right. but they leave, exactly. right? They go. But like today, like, like they'll leave and they'll tell their 20,000 followers on Instagram and their 500,000 followers on TikTok about everything y'all did wrong, right? Correct. And then it becomes this whole, like, it's almost like, and I, I'm really curious, right? As you, you know, it's 20... We're recording this in 2023. I'm curious about like 2030, like just what the relationship between brand between these companies and employers are going to be, because as individuals continue to build their own brands on these huge tech platforms, it's almost like you're going to have to engage them in the if if not if not in the front of your mind, certainly in the back of your mind, almost like you're engaging a brand. It's not like you're just talking to a single person. You're talking to a person who's talking to millions of other people. Absolutely right. And so, in fact. My the organization that reports up to me that would normally be called recruiting in most organizations, we call it candidate experience, because for us, we want a candidate, whether they get a job at Pfizer or not, to have a positive impression of Pfizer. Because to your point, whether they work for us or not, they are potentially one of our our patients, our customers. They may know people who are, they're going to talk about their experience with Pfizer, whether it be positive or not. Uh, We recently received an email from someone who did not receive a job at Pfizer, but raved about the experience that she had. That's what we're aspiring to do, because to your point, it's not just about that one individual's impression. It literally can multiply and does multiply. Uh, And just like any of us, if we go to a restaurant and we do not have an experience, what's the first thing we do now? Go online and you give reviews. I don't go to a hotel without looking at review. I mean, we're in an age where we actually do value reviews and we have a very easy way to share those reviews. And so employers are no different. Uh, And so we, we take that very seriously. We want everybody 
to have an experience with Pfizer that they believe is a favorable one, uh, regardless of the outcome, if they're employed with us or not. You know, I mean, and the thing about it is not only, are, you know, to your point around reviews, like these platforms, like Glassdoor is not the only no. um, company, you know, like more and more of these platforms are growing. And, um, you know, we've even, we've had folks on Living Corporate over the past few years. These are black founders um, who are making their own Glassdoor specifically for historically marginalized groups. And so uh, spot on there. Look, I, I want us to continue because, um, again, like I said, we're recording this you know, during Black History Month. And I'd I'd love to get your perspective, especially as, you know, people kind of think like the 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 journey around equity or um or workplace fairness or whatever you want to call it is like linear. But it's 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 a bit there's some cyclical uh behavior with it. I'm curious, like from your observations and your own experience, what do you think organizations get right and wrong about celebrating Black History Month? So I think for everything you can say someone's doing right, if they're not doing it, it's probably wrong. But I'll try to answer your question a couple of <laughs> So I think on the most basic level, there are still companies in the United States that do not uh, commemorate Black History Month. And as shocking as that may be, it, it's just a fact. Someone recently, a friend of mine told me uh, that their organization uh, does not uh, do anything to commemorate Black History Month. And so ignoring it altogether is signaling to the employees, I would say not just the Black employees, but to all employees that Black History Month is not important. So that's a, a pretty much basic, you know, that, that some companies are not even acknowledging it. So that's where I would start. But I think the other thing that some companies may be doing incorrectly is leaving all of the planning for Black History Month to the Black employees or the Brown employees. That, that, that's a miss. Black History Month planning or events should not become the additional work of the Black employees at the company. Now, some companies, Pfizer being one of them, we have various employee resource groups. So we actually have a, a colleague resource group we call the Global Blacks Community. They certainly are having various activities and events for the month, which would be fitting. But that is not the only thing Pfizer is doing for the month that we say, well, let's leave it to the Global Black community to figure it out. And so for companies that are just letting that happened, like that would be the responsibility of the Black employees only. That would be, to me, something that would be wrong and a missed opportunity. But some of the things that I think organizations are doing right is connecting Black History Month to the broader work that they're doing regarding diversity, equity, and inclusion. So yes, it's a month as we have other months um, that we celebrate various areas of diversity, but it's not just that one month and then you're done. Okay, we've celebrated Black History Month. Okay, we don't need to do anything related to Black and Brown people again until next February. No, that that is a miss. But companies who get it right, they use that month as a way to connect to everything else that's happening in the present and the future. They link it to everything that they're doing to minimize disparities or creating equity in their workplace, improving the experience for Black employees or other employees in the organization. And so employees who are just employers that are looking at this as an isolated event, that's wrong. Employees that are employers that are connecting it to the full strategy, to me, that's something right. Uh, and then just one other thing I would add is I do think a good practice during Black History Month is to use it as an opportunity to highlight Black talent, to amplify their stories, the work that they're doing. But the only word of caution I would give to that is 
that that should not be the only time that we are highlighting Black talent. And I have heard that from some Black employees that, wow, this is the only time that I'm getting asked to get interviewed or to speak at an event is during Black History Month. That would be a miss. So it's, again, I think for everything, it's like a strength overused can be, you know, weakness. I think for everything that companies are doing right, for those who are not doing those things, they could be a miss and a missed opportunity. You know, 100%, like there's this, and again, it's, it's, it really speaks to the otherization of talent um, in the corporate space so often. We do treat these months like they're like isolated things. Okay, y'all got your money. Right. There you go. All right. No. Move on. Chicken and watermelon. Chill, chicken and watermelon in the break room until <laughs> noon. And go on. <laughs> go on now. Go on back to work. Right. Uh, and, that, and you know, and so there's something to be said about. To your point, though, it's honoring identity and honoring um, contribution across the board. I also appreciate your acknowledgement of again connecting the abstract with the tangible. Right. Right. The, the reality is, is that. You know, this country was built how it was built on black labor um, through through land that was not uh, was not originally theirs. And every company, every company, whatever they do, they impact every community in some way. Yes. Um, Like that's just the reality. Right. It's just it's just the truth. And so, you know, taking just the extra time and intention to identify the points of synergy with, okay, how do we impact this community? And frankly, every company should have some bit of representation of this country that they work in. And so, you know, or the, or whatever country they work in. And so, you know, I, I love the idea of, you know, how do you recognize and honor those employees of that group? But again, not making it like a monthly thing or an, like a single event, but just how do you embed that in the culture of your organization? Correct. The, the other thing about it, Sherry, is, is that like, and so now I'm about to go quick side tangent. So I was talking to a brand. I'm not going to say who it is because, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not, Liver Corporate doesn't make enough money to be blasting brands out okay. yet, Sherry. Okay. One day. Okay. But, but <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going I'm to a, I'm a, I'm a hedge my bet. But, uh, but they said, hey, you, now this was literally for 2023 Black History Month, right? They want, they reached out and they said, hey, we'd like to do something. And, we, you know, what, what do you think? Could you kind of, and, and I said, um, and I said, well, you know, I, I, and I gave some recommendations and they said, okay, well, you know, our senior leadership, they're struggling um, with the, you know, they, they don't really consider this work like a priority. Mm. And, you know, do you have any, like any, any research on like the benefits of, of this work or doing some type of black history month program and like the, the, why, like why, why businesses should care. And I, I'm going to tell you, uh, my mama raised me with some sense, so I I don't just be out here cussing willy nilly, Sherry. I try, to, <laughs> you know, I, I save my cusses, right? But but I really had to hold back because I was like, I was like, well, wait a minute now, like, and I told him, I said, well, listen, you know, it's twenty twenty three. Um, if your leadership is still demanding, um, a business case for diversity, I said one. Um, I said, let me answer your question straight up. No, I I don't have that. I'm not going to give that. To right. You. But but two. Just just Google it. Like Google has now there's there's dozens of articles that they still are publishing every few months about the business case for diversity. But it's just like, do is it really rocket science for me to tell you that if you treat your employees well, if you create a strong employee experience, if you and and a, and a really strong employee experience could is a, a part of it is honoring just those employees. Right. 
you don't like do you 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 need me to tell you that that's going to help improve your business operations your ability to sell or create new target markets or innovate because people feel and are empowered to participate and lead that's something i got to i got to put together like a multi a multi point presentation for something like that and 2023 like come on now and so some of it i think is just um at, at a certain point, it's like we're, we should be beyond that. Yes, yes. Um, you know, like we're, again, like a lot of things continue to change. We have AI now writing entire novels. So we should be able to, we know, like we just know, right? Um, now, look, all, all this being said, you know, kind of, again, kind of talking about people. And I talked, to, I asked a little bit about this earlier when I talked about Gen Z. But as we continue to look and think about this war for talent, um, and frankly, the people experience within the talent management pipeline, you know, what do you think organizations need to be mindful of and prepared for as in this era, especially as we double or triple click on these younger millennials and Gen Zers? Yeah. So, you know, I think some some of what I've tried to ground myself and my team is, is we have to take a step back and even understand what that generation, so specifically Gen Z, has gone through. So think about just the past few years, we've all gone through the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, all the social and political unrest, um, but they're going through that at a very uh, younger age entering workforce. And these experiences have impacted the way that they show up for work. Um, and so all of that, plus what I said earlier about just their the way they even uh, digest information, highly digital compared to maybe some other generations, I think what we've had to focus on is making sure the things that we offer address some of their needs. Actually, research has shown um, that the Generation Z is struggling the most with engagement at work. Uh, and, And so we've been trying to do all we can do to try to figure out what are the things that would engage those Uh, individuals to one, come to this company, but also be retained, as I mentioned before, focusing on growth. What growth opportunities do you have that this is not just a dead end job? So at Pfizer, we talk a lot about nonlinear career paths, what we call our zigzag movement. That's something that resonates. So people have opportunity to explore different types of growth in the company. We also talk about the bigger picture about how we make a positive impact on the world, because that purpose is very important. Uh, to that generation. And for some, a company like Pfizer, fortunately, that's very easy. What we do is we literally try to change patients' lives. So that is almost a given for us, but it's something that we're able to amplify. And then this is not just for Generation Z, but uh, for all generations, this notion about prioritizing your wellness and companies being able to provide support for that. What I appreciate about the Generation Z talent is they are actually more open to talking about issues of mental health and well-being than maybe other generations. So that's that's a gift because we need to know where people are to help them. But it also is incumbent upon a company to be able to provide the right tools and resources to support that. So again, with anything, it's not just a one size fits all. We're learning more and more. You have to offer lots of different areas um, in terms of to attract different people. But this Generation Z is one that is certainly keeping us all on our toes to make sure that we're able to create an environment where they want to come and then also stay. Sherry, look, th- this has been 
a fire conversation. I, again, I appreciate you taking the time to have it. Before I let you go, any parting words or shout outs? I would just say, you know, for anyone listening uh, on this on this podcast today, to just keep in a couple of um, things that I said. If there's like nothing else you really remember that I say, I, I would want people to remember that no one gets to where they are without someone helping them. I fundamentally believe that. And so with that in mind, take a moment to look for the people behind you because there's someone that you can pull up. And just for me, it's always about the give back. And so for me, I, I think I would, the message I want to send is take the time to look at who else you can help advance their career. And it doesn't have to be in these major ways. Just making time for people, being present and available means so much to people, especially people more young, younger or more junior in their career. It really goes a long way. So that would be my words uh, advice for those people who are in a position to help pull others up. And for those who are just starting their journey in the workplace, don't be shy. People are generally very generous with their time. So don't be afraid to ask for help or to seek advice. Build your board of directors as early as you can in your career because they can certainly help you as you navigate uh, the journey that you have at your particular company. I love it. Sherry, look, you're a friend of the show. All right, so <laughs> feel free to come back whenever you want. It's been a, a, a pleasure talking to you. Well, it was great talking to you. Thank you so much. Take care. And we are back. Hey, thank you again to Sherry Cassano. Thank you again to the whole Pfizer team. I feel like, like it's been some years now. Like you've been seeing Pfizer on the pod now for a little while. So, you know what I'm saying? I feel like it's almost, I feel really close. You know what I'm saying? To the team, shout out to, to Erica and Mia, a bunch of other folks. I'm not even gonna put them all on blast, but Ellen, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to y'all. <laughs> uh, look, we're going to continue on with uh, celebrating black history month uh, by having really, um, really dope conversations explicit about really honoring and respecting the past while really pushing towards creating a better future for black folks. Yes, that's right. I said black folks, not people of color. If, if I can ever say black folks and not people of color, it's going to be during Black History Month. All right? You know what I'm saying? Like we're not going to just use catch all terms. And that goes to the same for when we, when we talk about um, Asian American Pacific Islander Month and Hispanic Heritage Month and whatever we're talking about. Let's talk. Let's name the groups like it's OK. It doesn't harm anything to name the groups we're talking about. It does not erase anybody else. In fact, you know, mushing them all together does more harm than good. But look, this is not a rant. This is us closing the pod. <laughs> to learn more about what Pfizer is doing uh, to pour into black and brown communities, I'm in honoring the legacy of uh, uh, civil rights liber um, uh, liberators, abolitionists, and, uh, and, and freedom fighters. Click the link in the show notes. You can learn more and learn more about their culture and the work that they do. Listen, y'all, this has been Zach. We live in corporate. I love y'all. Peace. Local Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.